you're the leader of the school. Absolutely. You're yes. the captain of the ship. In all honesty, what we tried to do um, was to try and bring Islamic studies and Quran as one of our core areas of learning. And it needs to be in an Islamic school. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't think there is a worse lesson to cover. Or the one that you'd least look forward least, to? Least, oh, um, it would probably be something like teaching nasheeds or something like that. <laughs> can you tell me something about your head teacher that I can use to try and trip her up? <laughs> or tell me something that she wouldn't expect. And mashallah, do you know what she said? She said uh, I couldn't do that to my head teacher. No, oh, yeah. I think I know who it is. I want this to be a place where it's not just nice for children to be in, but staff to want to work here as yeah. well. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show, raising awareness of Islamic schools. How long have you been in headship? Since 2011. 2011, again, yeah. 10 year, 12 years? Yes. Wow. Time flown? It has. I didn't think I was going to be in it for this long. Um, well, actually, I didn't think I was going to be in an Islamic school for this long. Um, when I came in, I came in as a teacher and I thought, okay, I'm going to try it out, inshallah, for a year, see how things go. Um, and at the time, I also brought my own child, my son, into okay. nursery. So he went through the school system. Wow, um, um, But after a year, I thought, I came from the mainstream sector. Sure. So I was a teacher in the mainstream sector. And I thought, you know what, there is a need for Islamic schools. And I feel I can bring my skills and, you know, try and contribute to that and you know i think allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in places you know mm -hmm. he, he plans and you know he's the best of planners sure. um so when i came in like i said i didn't think i was going to be in it here for that long but here i am like you know it's 12 years or so and still here and i still feel that alhamdulillah i'd still love to give a lot more to try and um it's about the next generation and leaving a legacy and having an impact, whatever mm. that may be. Yeah. Um, I think when I started out, I was very much about outcome orientated. It was about have to achieve. Now it's, you know, I, I suppose as you mature, you also start thinking that actually, you know, it's the effort that you put in and the intention that you bring to Definitely. something. Uh, the outcome, that's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, you know, and, and uh, whatever that may be. But if our intention's right, um, yeah. then inshallah uh, we will achieve what we you know, seek to achieve. It's really interesting because even just as recently as uh, yesterday, for some reason I had this thought in my mind where I thought to myself, you know, this idea of doing good mm. and you assume that the goodness that you've done that is visible to you and I is granted that it's going to be accepted. Mm. But actually you don't know if it's going to be accepted. Yeah. And you need to pray that it be accepted. So your point about outcome, it's not in your hands. No, it's outside of your control. And I think that's such a valuable lesson um, for a lot of people to, to learn. You said something there where you said at some point in your life, there was a moment where you thought there's a value to Islamic schools. And I've, I'm tempted to second guess what that was. But I just wanted to ask you first and then maybe see if, what was that moment where you thought there's a value to Islamic schools? Um, 
I think it was from my own personal experience. Um, with my older son, I he went through the mainstream. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, fully from primary all the way. Um, and I saw some of those struggles and challenges um, that I had to go through uh, with regards to, for example, and even working in a mainstream, uh, you know, having to uh, teach things that didn't quite feel, feel right to me, wasn't really within, you know, the sort of you know, realms of the theme. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, it was a challenge. You had to challenge the management. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and similarly, when my son went through certain things, like, for example, teaching SRE yeah. and the way that was done um, was quite, I think for him, it was quite traumatic, actually. Wow. Uh, even though I had at the time opted him out of it, for some reason something happened in the school and he ended up having to sort of go through it. And he came yeah. home and he was really traumatized by it. Um, and I decided with my second son that I would want to try and put him through the Islamic education. Okay. But at the time I didn't know what the options were out there. Yeah. Um, and so when he was at that stage coming into school, I thought, right, okay, let's, you know, let's look at what the options are. And um, at the same time, I would also like to try and work in an Islamic school. Um, and I guess that was really my decision. Um, yeah, to, to it was because of my own experiences yeah. with my own children that, uh, you know, changed that. When I came into the school and what, sort of helped to change my mind about staying on and being part of that. Um, I just, being here, I just, I guess I saw the um, value that we were giving the children. Mm. They were getting pretty much, you know, what they would get in the mainstream, but there was no uh, compromises you had to make. Yeah. And I often think that, you know, from our own school, uh, my own school experience, going into school and everything else, you always had to have like a double identity. Yeah. You know, in school, this was okay. You came home and there was something else. There was yeah. a madrasa or something else you had to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's quite difficult for children. And it shouldn't be like that. No. Islam isn't like that. Islam is, uh, you know, it, it's part of life. And it should be part of life. Yeah. Um, and I know parents really do try hard, even, you know, sending in mainstream. Not everybody can send them into Islamic mm. schools. Um, but if there is an option where you can have that, you can have the best of everything, yeah. then why wouldn't you why choose not? that? And so I guess that's what's kept me here. Um, it's to try and enhance that um, so that our children don't miss out on anything, mm. but actually they're getting everything that they need. Um, and it's about nurturing that whole child um, and making sure that they're also comfortable with their Islamic identity and not embarrassed. Mm. And I think when I went to school, there was an essence of that. Yeah. Because you were made to feel like that. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, one person at school, one person at home. Yeah, yeah. One person if you bump into a school friend outside. Yes, yeah. And always, you know, you're sometimes apologetic yeah. about things going on, uh, making excuses. And we don't want that for our children. Mm. They shouldn't be like that. They should be comfortable being a Muslim. Um, but we're being also proactive and giving back to society mm. as well. Um, and so in essence, that's what we, you know, in this, in Apex, that's what we try to do, um, inshallah. And I think that's why I think there's a place for Islamic education, absolutely. Yeah. And if you have the option, then 
why not? Yeah. Well, I said to you earlier, and I was going to second guess. Um, that's something along the lines of what I was going to say, because mm-hmm. usually, even for myself, my own experience in the Islamic education getting involved was triggered through my own wants and desires for my own children. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you find that you get sucked into the machine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, I think for a lot of people, it's a, it's an entry into the Islamic schooling world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think the level of passion and commitment that comes through something that's more than driven by a career or by money, but it's driven by love for mm. your children and wanting the best for them. And then from that, it manifests you wanting the best for society and community. Um, I don't think money um, or even experience can even buy that because there's something intrinsic in somebody's heart, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, these, uh, I mean, one of the major challenges, I suppose, in an Islamic school is the money. It's, it's, yeah. it's the budgeting. Um, and so... Whenever we get staff in, when I came into the school, actually, I think <laughs> salary-wise, it was less than half of what I would have got in my mainstream school. Wow, so it's a sacrifice you make, but you know what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that possible and eases things when yeah. you make it for the And this is why I go back to that intention, having the intention and everything yeah. else. Outcome, you leave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the staff that we have coming in, it isn't because of the money. We say, look, if it's the money, then you're going to get more if you go to mainstream. Yeah. There's got to be more. You know, teaching's got to be a vocation that you take on. It's not a nine-to-five mm. job. It's more than that. You're thinking about it when you're at home. You know, you go to the shops and you see a resource and you think, oh, that would that be fantastic, <laughs> you know, for my class. Um, so it, it, it's, it's definitely more than money. Um, it's got to be. What's been your biggest um, challenge in the last 11 years, 12 years in, in headship? What's the single, uh, if I was to press you and say, what's the single um, thing that comes to mind? Is there something you could share with us? Yeah, yeah. I guess it would probably be trying to deliver a, a really high standard in terms of curriculum, in terms of learning and teaching and all of that, but doing it with a very tight budget. Okay. And I think most Islamic schools would probably say that is probably one of their biggest, if not the biggest challenge. It's, and, you know, we don't want to sort of make that an excuse for our mm. children not getting the best. Yeah. And we don't. Mm. And so we kind of work harder in terms of being creative and how to do that, whether it's being creative and how you use the space that you've got, yeah. which is limited as well. Yeah. Um, uh, funds that you have, which is limited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say it's it's that's probably the biggest, biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine this is going to become a, a common theme mm. um, with many of our leaders yeah. Um, yeah. up and down the country. But alhamdulillah, um, if I've seen anything, even from our little tour earlier yeah. on today, um, you've got to credit Muslim schools for maximising the resources that they have And and when we talk about that, we're talking about just the facility, Mm -hmm. the equipment, the people. I mean, how dynamic are Muslim school staff? How many job titles do they have? Absolutely. How many hats do they wear? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, Allah only knows how many little things that you've done along the way Mm -hmm. that you would probably say, 
under conventional terms, it's not within your remit, but somebody's yes. got to do it yes. and it falls on you. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple of other questions just to understand mm-hmm. kind of your journey of the last 12 years. Um, what's been the most difficult point during your term in headship? Like, again, a specific time where something happened, something went wrong, mm. uh, or, or you were up against it. What comes to mind? Um, I guess, you know, it's dealing with people. Um, I think one of the areas as a head that you have to do is about managing staff, managing parents, managing children. Children, I would say, uh, you know, they're probably, alhamdulillah, the most easiest. Um, And they're so innocent. Um, And they they come ready to kind of learn and take on. Adults, as adults we all are, we're pretty much very set in our ways. And that can be sometimes quite difficult. And I would say that some of the most challenging experiences I've probably had is when I'm either dealing with some parents or staff. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's, that's a quite a tough Anything one. specific that comes to mind? I well, know. with parents, I guess it's, you know, we've had, we've had to over the years, um, for example, um, put up fees. Okay. That's never, ever an easy thing to do mm. ever. It doesn't matter how, wonderfully you do it, it's always going to come hard. And it's not something that we like doing, right. but um, we, we have to. Otherwise, you just don't run. You can't run. Yeah, I mean, school. right now we're, yeah. in, um, we're in this place at the moment where energy bills are about to double in cost yeah. for all of us. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, in society in general, anybody having to take a mm-hmm. price hike or anything is difficult. It's difficult, yeah. And, and that... Can um, and so when we when we last put the uh, fees up, that was a hard one. You know, we tried to do the best we could in terms of consulting parents, but still, um, it was. And so you get a lot of questions in terms of why, and mm. you know, can there not be another way? And you know, and and it, it's something we had to go through. Um, uh, that took a while, um, but alhamdulillah. We're now sort of, I think it's about two years since we put it up. Um, you know, parents are a little bit more used to it. But at the end of the day, like I said, energy, you know, you've mentioned the energy bills are going up and everything else. And they're going up for schools. Yeah. And all costs are going up for schools. <laughs> and what sometimes we don't realize is that the school's got to run as well. Yeah. Um, and as much as we appreciate the hardship on parents, but if we don't also try and address the needs of the school, yeah. You know, you don't want to get to a point where the school is in a position where it has to think, can we run or can we not run? Yeah. And we don't want to ever get to that situation. Apex has been running, like, you know, it's been established since 2004. Um, on this site, we've been here since 2009. And inshallah, we want to grow further. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are lots of ideas that we've got in terms of doing that. Yep. Um, but that all comes with a cost. It all comes. And we're trying to be creative, actually, in that. Um, in terms of how we do that. So looking at different projects in terms of, you know, growing a sort of like an investment portfolio so that we can feed that money back into the school. So we're constantly looking for new ideas, um, you know, starting up other projects. And and that's something that we're going to be launching very soon in terms of our vision 
um, the Apex Trust vision. Um, there's, um, you know, exciting things to come, um, including for the school itself. Um, we are currently a primary, but there's also, inshallah, some development there that will happen. Um, and hopefully we, we want to try and extend that into hopefully a secondary as well. Very soon. Sounds, sounds very promising. So that leads yeah. me nicely on to my next question, actually. Um, what, are you, what are you most looking forward to now in your career as a head teacher? I mean, mashallah, you've been doing it for the last, like we said, 12 years or so. Um, I don't want to press you in terms of how many more years you're going to be in headship for. Um, but, it, I mean, even if you just looked five years ahead, I mean, what, what are you uh, looking forward to undertaking? What, what's going to excite you? Um, well, we're actually in our uh, sort of that uh, journey of having changes coming along. One of the things I would say is the secondary, inshallah. So if I was to say in five years time, where we'd be with that, I would say inshallah that we've established, you know, a successful secondary. The other thing that we're kind of working on at the moment is the curriculum itself. Okay. Um, we've sort of embarked on the, you know, the, the journey in terms of trying to change the curriculum. Um, I think it was just pre-COVID that we started on that. And so um, that is something that we are going to continue on um, doing um, to try and establish that a little bit more, uh, bring it together um, and hopefully have a curriculum that starts off in the early years, but goes all the way through and inshallah goes into our secondary. We've often been asked, even in terms of the primary, when, when the children get to year six, you know, can you not do a secondary where the tarbiyah continues on? Yeah. And at that time, it was always about not right now, not right now, the time's not right. Um, and we feel now, inshallah, that, you know, the time's come and we'd like to do that. We'd like to be able to offer that and have that, um, that, that, that tarbiyah continuing on. Um, and in a sense, that gives the parents a peace of mind as well, yeah. Um, because they're not having to look for another secondary, and they know what they've gotten in the primary will, inshallah, continue on into the mm. secondary as well. So, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the school. You're one of many Islamic schools, mm -hmm. okay? So why should I send my daughter to Apex? What is it about Apex that is any different to any other Muslim school? And also at the same time. Mm -hmm. I myself went to a mainstream school, mm -hmm. okay? I myself went to, uh, had supplementary uh, edu uh, Islamic education after school. Mm -hmm. um, is that not a model that can work? Is that not a model that, you know, uh, we can still um, kind of nurture our children on? I think, I mean, I went through the same model myself. And like I said, my uh, older son also went through the same model. Um, but I think... As time is going on, things are getting more and more challenging. Okay. Um, and I'm sure uh, parents are, you know, quite well aware of you know, things like, for example, RSE yeah. coming along and what that means in terms of the mainstream sector. Mm. Um, we've been covering SRE, for example, within the Islamic school since even before I joined wow. as a head. So it's nothing new for us. Mm. And... So when it comes to teaching that, it's never been a problem. Mm. But what parents will have in terms of the peace of mind mm. is that how we do it. Yeah. 
That's the difference that you're not going to get if you send your child to, say, a mainstream school. Um, I know when there was a whole debate about sort of um, RSC and, oh my goodness, that's going to be now, you know, statutory and everything else, we weren't really phased by it too much because for us, as far as we're concerned, it is an education that our children need. Mm. Now, we can decide, you know, are we going to take hold of it and do it in a way that has sort of modesty and high and everything yeah. else, or are we going to outsource it and let our children just find out? And they can find out in all sorts of ways. Yeah, they of can course. Google it and they'll find yeah, out. Yeah. But what they find out and how they find out is a big difference. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a school, why Apex? We've always been, it, for us, it's always been about um, being part of the community and also keeping up to date. So in terms of what's going on out there, but not necessarily being reactionary, not right. actually taking, you know, um, we're there in the forefront already. Yeah. And so, like I said, with um, RSE being just an example, mm -hmm. we've been doing it even before the yeah. statute of regulations came in, came along. Um, because it's a, we, we take the child and we think about what are their needs and their needs are changing constantly. Mm. What the needs of children were perhaps, you know, um, I don't know, 20 years ago, it's very different now Definitely. with, you know, exposure to social media and everything else. Um, and when we need to adapt ourselves to those needs. Um, so in a sense, I guess what makes Apex difference is, is that different, sorry, is that, you know, we are trying to be at the forefront of things. We do look at research and try to embed things from research, things mm. that have been already done um, and learn from best practice. Sure. We try to network with mainstream schools as well. You know, th this is something as a head when I came in, for me, that was a very core cool part um, of not being insular and thinking like we want to be in a bubble and keep our children in a bubble. It was always about how do we integrate mm as Muslims, into society and be proactive citizens as well. Yeah. And that involves being having partnerships with, um, you know, mainstream schools, with other independent schools. We're part of the Independent Schools Association, mm. um, which is uh, quite a large body. Um, mm. They've got over 500 independent schools. Um, and so there is a lot of, um, you know, communication that goes on and uh, between the schools. So, uh, we're also part of um, teaching alliances mm. with other mainstream schools. And I work quite closely with, you know, uh, with them. Uh, and that helps in terms of how we develop as a school. So a lot of the ideas that I, you know, we've brought into our school has been things that I've seen and uh, that have worked in other schools and thought, right, okay, let's now see if we can make this work for our yeah. school and tweak it to, you know, fit with our children. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefit in that. Um, and that's what we want from our children as well. We want them to be also proactive and be able to co be confidently um, mixing with children from other schools and um, other communities and organizations um, and flourish in that. Um, so we try to sort of partake in lots of inter-school uh, competitions, for example, um, We've had previously our children participating in the Independent Schools Association competitions. I think one of them was like an essay writing competition where one of our children did actually, you know, win that. Mashallah. So, um, you know, being an Islamic school should not 
stop us from doing all of those things. Yeah. Um, the other reason is that we are a small school. We like to keep it like that. You know, we see ourselves as a sort of like an extended family, you could say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our class sizes are small. Yeah. And so the children get that attention that they need. Um, and we really value extracurricular activities as well as outdoor learning. Um, so one of the key things that we have, uh, we have had pre-COVID, inshallah, we, we're planning to start up again, is like an annual residential that we do for our year four, five, and six. And that's, you know, every year we've been doing it and it's always been very successful. We try to make sure all our children have that experience mm -hmm. because they're not necessarily ever going to have that experience when they go to secondary for whatever reason. Sometimes it's the cost. Sometimes it's to do with when a children, you know, uh, particularly the girls, when they get to a certain age, parents are reluctant to send them yeah. off, you know, for a couple of days. But in the primary school where you've got the teachers involved in that, they're, you know, they're looking after the children. A bit more accommodating. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we try to also involve the parents in as well mm. um, and invite them in. You know, things like that are, are possible. We try to sort of have also um, uh, trips every half term that are related to the curriculum. So outdoor learning for us is quite an important thing, um, just as important as maths, English and science and yeah. um, all of those things. So... I think those are quite key things that make us, and, and also the, the way we sort of structure our curriculum is very different as well from yeah. a lot of the mainstream, not just mainstream, actually other independent um, Islamic schools. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we're, and, and on that, in all honesty, what we tried to do um, was to try and bring Islamic studies and Quran as one of our core areas of learning and it needs to be in an Islamic school yeah. and so the way we've structured our curriculum and our timetable makes it possible to ensure that you know the, the, the Islamic studies and Quran aspect yeah. is very much as important as all the other subjects. Mashallah um, you know um, this is my second time coming to the school mm -hmm. and um, every time I've been here well it's only been on two occasions mm -hmm. I've, I've I've really learned something new. Um, and when I say something new, I mean something quite unique and refreshing. Um, that's, I feel is unique to your school. Mm. And so the time, um, and, and time won't permit us to go into this, but inshallah, maybe uh, another yeah. episode we can do. Inshallah. But the work that you're doing about um, the way you've got your classes organized, like you mm. said, and taking islam and turning it into a core subject that's amazing mm. you know how when's the last time any of us between us ever heard somebody refer to quran or islamic studies or arabic as a core subject i can't mm. i can't remember the last time because i don't think there ever was a time yeah. um so i think that's so powerful what you've just said there and some of the other things that you mentioned as well in terms of just rse you know you for me it's about taking ownership Yes. Um, yes and, and not leaving it to chance to somebody else mm -hmm. and saying, actually, we're going to own it and we're going to run with it. And inshallah, we're going to do it the way we want it to be delivered on our terms. Mm. Um, and I think, again, that's really brave. And mashallah, you guys have been doing it well before the statutory mm. requirements came out. Why? I, I imagine because it's already been prescribed in our deen. Yes. Yeah, um, so really and truly, the statutory requirements didn't necessarily need to tell us that. Yeah. Um, our own scriptures already and uh, um, and, and what we understand from Prophet has already defined that for us. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, mashallah, you know, these, there's some really 
good things there to consider. So um, I'm going to take away what you've said and I'm going to discuss it with the wife and we'll consider whether or not we're going to move to Ilford and uh, send our daughter over to here, mashallah. But no, mashallah, it's, uh, I think, um, I like to think of Muslim schools as being um, boutique-like shops Mm. um, because... You could go to an any you could go to a high street and you could go and go to an any retail shop and you'll find that same retail shop in every high street, right? Mm-hmm. But if you find a boutique shop, you're never going to find that boutique shop anywhere else, right? Yes. Whether it be somewhere that sells um, secondhand furniture, absolutely, yeah, uh, hairdressers, mm-hmm. um, or somewhere that sells vintage clothing. I don't know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But the point being is that there's something special about it, something unique about it, and, and that's how I see every Muslim school. Yes. You know, there's something special and something different about every Muslim school. And, you know, that you mentioned about being part and parcel of the community mm-hmm. um, and being an extension of the family. Yes. You know, it's, I think these are invaluable. Asalaamu Alaikum, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying the content. If you enjoy what you've seen, please press subscribe. It'll make a big difference. Jazakallah khair. People have a perception of Islamic schools. Um, I think we all did, in fairness. I mean... I didn't know when I first came into Islamic schools what to expect. Um, and there is often, you know, sometimes you get parents coming in and we, we, you know, whenever we get children coming in, we always do um, an interview at the beginning. And, you know, often you get parents saying, well, you know what, I'm sending my child to an Islamic school because it's the Islamic studies side I need. You know, okay, don't worry about the other side. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll manage that. We'll and I say to that, well, why? Why would you compromise? Why can't you have everything? Mm. Why can't you have the best of both? And should we not be like that as yeah. Muslims? We should always be looking at trying to excel and be leaders in what we do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it shouldn't be that you send your child to an Islamic school just because you want the Islamic side mm. to things. You know, you want the best of everything. Yeah. You know, because we want our kids to be at the forefront of things. We want them to be the potential leaders mm. in whatever area they go into. Yeah. And that requires excelling in all areas. Yeah. And yeah. I think parents need to, parents should have that expectation of Islamic schools. Yeah. Um, because pressure is something that we all mm. thrive on. And it's something that actually motivates us. And it's something that actually allows us to excel mm, yeah. and i'm not talking about pressure in the sense of kind of breaking the door down yeah, and yeah. making things difficult but supporting us yes participating mm. being positive um so i think yeah definitely there's there's many benefits to kind of having a different mindset but i think i think islamic schools are at a bit of a crossroad at the moment mm. in the sense that I think we have to do better in terms of communicating what is our value proposition or yes. what is it that we're offering. Yeah, and I and I think because there's too many assumptions uh, that are out there, what the Islamic yeah. school offers. Like you said, it's a um it's it's a place where you can where you can't get the best of both worlds, but actually you can preserve your dean yes. and then we'll top it up elsewhere. Yeah. But absolutely. you know, um I think through better communication and, you know. Yeah, it's funny you say that because it is one of the things that um, as a school, not just maybe our school, but maybe, you know, most Islamic schools, and it's it's partly to do with, I suppose, the budget and capacity and everything else, that we're not very good at sort of, you know, shouting you out about things that we do so well um, and putting ourselves out there. Uh, 
and 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 most cases in all you know the the involvements that we get when you ask them also how do you know about apex and how do you hear about apex often i would say probably over 80% of the case is oh i know a friend it's referral Oh, okay. It's someone who knows. I mean, it's the best kind of referral that you could get, yeah. and the because you know somebody's already been here, yeah. done it, and you know what better way? Um, but it's usually that. Mm. Um, otherwise, we get a lot of parents who say, "You know what? I've n- I've been around this area. I've never heard of Apex, <laughs> and we just don't do enough as yeah. a school to." Um, that's something that I think. Yeah, a lot of Islamic schools. We just you know it's an area that we have we've we've embraced in the sense that we've realized that this is mm. our shortcoming and uh inshallah it's something that we are doing a lot more of so you know embracing things like social media you know yeah. is a good and bad of social media but in all honesty everybody's on it um and so we we're pretty active actually on instagram okay um, you know, you'll find us quite active on Instagram. I won't find you. I don't have Instagram. (laughs) Those that do. Um, But we've taken on in terms of, you know, um, the new ways of trying to do things, communicate. um, And so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll put out there things in terms of how the children are working because we know these are things that perhaps as a potential parent that you might want to see, Mm. you know, what are some of the work that the children do? Mm. Um, what What are the standards that, you know, they produce. Um, and, and you know, social media can do that. It can Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I think what it is is that, like we said earlier on, um, staff in Muslim schools are, are, are usually um, got more titles and letters, are, yes. you know, uh, than, than anybody could kind of collect in a whole career yeah, uh, because of the kind of... yes needs of the school and how resourceful people need to be Mm. um and i think the element of marketing and social media and communications is is just something that i think in time will just come naturally but i think we're at that phase where some schools are probably doing it really well Mm. some schools are probably not doing it at all and some schools are in that transition mode so you know no no doubt about it we're going to get there but on that point actually i want to ask you a a question about your staff Mm. because um we could sit here and say, Sister Mahroon, mashallah, you've done it all and you know, Apex is thriving. Yeah. And um, and you might tell us yes, or you might say... I might say no. I, I, I see myself, in a sense, as a facilitator. I see our staff as the core parts of the school. They are the biggest um, asset um, and the resource that any, you know... For any school, I believe. Um, and so, therefore, it's really important that we um, invest the time and effort on our staff to develop them. Because ultimately, the success of a school isn't to do with, I think, management. It's never one person that does it all. Um, you know, you can have all the vision you want and all the ideas you want, but ultimately, it's the teachers that are going to bring that into fruition, really. Um, and so, you know, the success of the school, I would say, is from always has been a team effort. Mm. Not just teachers, but in terms of even our admin and, you know, cleaners, everyone. Like, you're not going to have a school that's successful when you don't recognize that. Um, I see myself, in, in all honesty, as a facilitator. Um, someone who sort of coordinates all that, mm. I guess. But ultimately, um, you know, the... 
the, the, the success comes from that team effort. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty certain you've probably got a WhatsApp group for your school. Yes. And I'm pretty certain that that WhatsApp group doesn't stop at 3.30. No, it doesn't. I'm pretty sure that it doesn't stop at on the half-time holidays. No. I'm pretty sure that most of the staff, some of the staff are probably having to come in here and there, you know, somebody's left the light on or somebody's yes. forgotten something or somebody needs something, somebody's, yeah. So, mashallah, I think uh, it's it's credit to staff in your school or all Islamic schools yeah, for that absolutely. matter. What's the leadership like of the school? Because obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, I imagine above you, is there a governing body? Is there a trust board yeah, of trustees? So how, how, how are they? How supportive are they? Um, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a trust um, and the trust it's it's not a large trust. It's um, you know um, some core uh, individuals, um, but Alhamdulillah, the trust have been there. Um, I'm also part of the trust, but before the, the original trust, I will say, they're the ones who have sort of been there from the inception, like from the start. Yeah. Um, I mean, Apex started off from a homeschool initiative that was passed on yeah. to a group of trustees who decided, okay, let's make a school out of this. Um, and, you know, some of those core trustees are still there, alhamdulillah. And I guess they've made a lot of sacrifices, you know, I mean, a, a lot mm. and still continue on. Um, they're all sort of, you know, people who work, uh, you know, in other areas. So they have to give up a lot of their time to yeah. invest in this. And um, and and it's all it's always boils down really to um, the, the intention that was there right at the beginning. Sure. It was to have a, you know, a successful school for the community. Um, and it has been, and I think because that intention has always been quite sincere from the start, you know, Alhamdulillah, we are still, we are where we are at the moment. Mm. Um, it's gone through a lot of challenges um, so yeah, the, 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 we have the trust body who sort of includes about sort of six of us. Sure. Um, and then it's myself as a head teacher, and then it would go down to I've got an assistant head, and then we've got teachers. Okay. So um, yes, you do have to wear a lot of hats um, <laughs> because as well as wearing the head cap, I'm also a trustee as well, yeah. and so therefore it's a tough one because. As a head and a trustee, you want to be strategic in your ideas and work strategically. But at the same time, as a head in a small school, you're also the operational person. And so you're firefighting and doing all of those day-to-day things that in in mainstream schools wouldn't wouldn't happen. You know, you'd have other people to to do that. Um, And I guess that's what makes it challenging. because in order to move the school on, you need to be strategic. Yeah. And so trying to wear like multiple hats can be, a, can be quite a challenge. But it's one that we've taken on. Um, we, are, we are open to um, building that trust up. So Alhamdulillah, I mean, this has been, I think that's probably one of the reasons I've probably stayed for so long is because the trust has always been very supportive. Um, they're very open-minded in terms of trying different ideas um, because it's always been about the children being at the heart of the decisions and 
if it is good for the children, then inshallah, we, you know, we will try it. Um, and they've been very supportive in that. So, you know, there's been a lot of ideas that I've come up with. Um, and I've always taken it to the trust and they've always been open to trying out, you know, new things. And similarly from the trust angle as well, mm. you know, they're, they're always open to um, ideas and about progressing the school um, and the trust body in terms of other projects as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been very supportive. Um, uh, and and I, I often talk to other heads and I don't always hear the same. <laughs> uh, it's always been, you know, there's a sort of uh, a relationship between the trust or the governing body and, you know, um, the head and the school. And things just don't, things seem to be, have to go through this sort of, um, you know, bureaucratic sort of process, yeah. which Alhamdulillah, I have to say, I've not experienced here. And, you know, that, that's been... No, mashallah, it's, uh, I think, um, it's always nice to know that there are people who are quote unquote managing you mm. or you're reporting back to, if you've got a good relationship with them yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've got a, if you're on the same kind of path as well, yes. um, makes a massive difference. And I think, to be honest with you, I think um, I would echo what you said in terms of just a, just a general feeling at times. Mm. But I think definitely there's some lessons to be learned. And I think uh, some of our uh, some of our <laughs> colleagues maybe uh, mm. lead on you from time to time on, on some of your experiences. What's the, what's the um, kind of driving up here last time around and today, the school's in the in the middle of a uh, housing estate, you could say. Mm. Um, and I was just pretty surprised when, when I just popped along and, wow, okay, there's the school. And so it feels very much part of the community in, in, mm. in many ways as well because of that. But what is the general feeling within the community of the school? Um, how, how well respected or accepted is it? And, you know, mm. how does it, how does it fit in with, community activities that go on um so it is a fairly small school in terms of you know the uh population of muslims that you have within redbridge yeah. um but like i said we've been in redbridge since 2009 mm. and i would say that not necessarily everybody knows about us and that's partly to do with the fact that, like I said, marketing hasn't always been fantastic. Um, but we've involved ourselves in a lot of things, actually, within the community itself. Um, so, for example, um, again, a lot of things used to happen pre-COVID and we're trying to get back into it. So one of the things that we've established um, every year, we do um, a sort of like an activity day. In okay. Hargreaves local, where we invite, you know, it, it's open to everyone. It's not just our parents. Sure. Um, and that's every year it's grown bigger and better. Um, and the last time we did it was in September. And that was, um, you know, we got a lot of good uh, feedback from that. Um, other things that we've done in terms of the community, um, we started up a street play initiative for example wow. um where we sort of cordon off the street do this with the council obviously they, they um, permit us to do this we cordon off the uh, sorry the street and um the spend about an hour where all children can come out and just play on the oh, street wow. 
like back in the old days when, you know, kids <laughs> used to be able to play on the street because we recognize that it's very difficult for parents to take children out and it's not always possible. Um, either it's not safe or there yeah. is enough space. Um, and so we've done things like that in conjunction with Redbridge. Um, we try to have relationship with other schools in the local borough, for example. So we have very good relationship with um, Newham, schools okay. um, through a teaching alliance um, and we've worked on many projects with them as well um, so so every opportunity that we get to try and go out there we do do that okay um, you know we try to get our children for example they've also um, we've linked up with um, a local care home where the children have gone down and spent a little bit of time there mm. doing some gardening for the you know the elderly yeah um, so like I said, whatever opportunity we get, we try to get our children to go out there and be part of that. Now, mashallah, when you were saying that, when you said play, I thought there's a theatre production going on outside. Oh, no, I'm it's thinking, play. They I was thinking, play. where do I buy my ticket? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> ticket. free. Ticket Everyone's problem. welcome when we do it. But uh, yeah, One of the things that we haven't really spoken about is um, the student experience mm. at Apex. And obviously... That's the whole reason why Apex yes. exists. What is the student experience like? I mean, yeah. it would be fantastic, actually, just thinking about it now, if we had one of the students here uh, yeah, and we could have asked them. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe that's another show that we can record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what is the student experience like? I mean, mm-hmm. and I mean it from, from every angle, because sure. for some students, it would be a case of, um, I want to be here. Mm. For others, maybe... Mm. You know, uh, they've been asked by their parents to attend this particular yeah. school, and it's not the the school that all their friends or their family go to. Mm. What what is it like? Um, well, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm biased. For me, to be honest, is that I want every child that comes into the school to want to be here. Um, doesn't matter in terms of how they came here in the yeah. first place, um, whether it was a decision you know they took or their parents took. But ultimately, whilst they're here, I want them to have an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Um, no, not every single day is going to be an enjoyable experience, but that's life. Yeah. You know, and they need to learn that as well and be uh, you know resilience is something that we try to push on as well mm. because not every experience you have in life is going to be one that you necessarily want yeah. um or it is positive life's also about negative things as well and mm. we want them to have that but ultimately you know we want them to enjoy coming here um and i would say that overall i would think that most children would say that they do enjoy being here and some of the things I guess that they would probably say that they enjoy about being in school um, is about, I suppose, their friendships. But I'd like to think that they also enjoy that teacher relationship as well, yeah. because for us, that's a key thing. Um, and I try to push on that quite a lot right from the start that, you know, you we need to have that relationship with the children from the start mm-hmm. before you can get any learning or teaching or anything done. You know, if you don't have that, then you're not going to get very far yeah. anywhere else. Um, another area I think that our children, and often we, we do this. So, in, uh, you know, every year we have um, year six graduation okay. um, and the children come up with um, a speech that they, you know, deliver. And it's, it's, it's predominantly about their experience of Apex and their yeah. 
whole journey. And I think one of the key things that they will probably put on there is often um, particular teachers that they've had, you know, wonderful experiences of. Um, and the other thing that will come up is often the residential trip. Okay. It's usually one of the highlights or a trip that they've had somewhere. Yeah. Um, and this is why we value outdoor learning quite a lot because these are one of the, some of the things that children remember. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're not going to necessarily remember all maths lesson I had, you know, I sat behind a desk and I did <laughs> some work. But, you know, you're going to remember if you went for a science trip to somewhere, yeah. you know, a field trip or a residential. The residential mm. is one of the key things that comes up um, because it's, they're away from home and they're also learning life skills as well, yeah. you know, independence. Um, and we want that independence and ownership to be not just, you know, on a residential, but that needs to be part of school. So we try to find opportunities. So one of the, one of the things that we have is uh, our school council, mm. our school shura. Yeah. Um, we encourage our children to take ownership of that. So they pretty much lead it. Mm. Um, yes, initially I, I helped them start it up, but I don't want to be the person that leads it because ultimately it's supposed to be about the student voice. Yeah. And so I pretty much leave it to them to manage that and what they want from that. Yeah. And because we want our children to also have a say in how the school is run. Yeah. So, and, and, and so for that, we, we I, I tend to say to them, look, you know, you can have an impact in the teaching, in the learning, in the experiences that you have. And the, your, your sort of, you know, the way to do that is through the school shura. And it's about every child's voice matters. Yeah. Um, and I want them to be able to say that they feel that. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd say that those are some of the key things that they would probably say about their experience, inshallah. So what you don't know is following this podcast, I'm going to put a student survey out yeah. with those questions. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully, inshallah, qualify that. Like, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that, you know, it's, if that's how you feel, having spent the years that you spent in this school, then that's obviously there for a reason because obviously that's probably transcending and yeah and yeah i mean you can only through. go from things that you've seen um i mean on that note we also like i said the student voice is very important and so you know we do our own student surveys yeah. um and whatever findings i don't expect everything to come up rosy and wonderful yeah um it, that's just not going to happen. And it, it shouldn't because I, I, as a school, even if you are the best that you can possibly be, there's always room to improve, always. Um, and that's what we are about. Um, so even if things come up in that survey where we see that we can actually improve, then by all means, that is something that we will look mm. at and think, hmm, okay, if a child is saying that, well, what's the reasoning behind this? Yeah. There's always got to be a reason. Um, and so I will probe that and try and sort of get to the bottom of that and see, okay, what can we do as staff, as management, to try and rectify that and make it better. This might be the first time you've come across Murabi Yund, but just so you know, we offer much more than just podcasts. Why not jump onto our website, murabiyun.com? We do all sorts, including curriculum development. What's, what's a special moment that comes to mind with like a student experience? Like, what's that one particular thing that straight away just comes to you and you think, like, you remember it for the rest of your life, an interaction with a child, something happened, they said something, you said something. Um, mm. Does something come to mind? Oh, probably lots of things, actually. I would say the 
Yesik's graduation is probably one of the things okay. every year um, to have them go to that stage and to act, when you hear some of the things that they say and to think, oh, Alhamdulillah, you know, you've had that impact, yeah. um, whatever that may be, but in some way you've had that impact sure. and, uh, and, and you pray that inshallah that helps them for wherever they go on. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that, that is probably one of the key things. Um, and I would say other key things for me really is, you know, when you have those experiences, you know, you have sort of one-to-one -one with some children and they say things. Yeah, tell me about one of those experiences that comes to mind, like when you've had a an example of an interaction with a child, like yeah. something that stood out for you. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm uh, there is one that's coming up and I'm just trying to think of um, what the child said. It's just the way she said it. Oh, that was it. She um, So she came into my office and she had this moment where I think something must have happened. And so she said, no, I'm, she's just so, cro she sort of crossed her arm, like, it looked like a, you know, little adult. <laughs> and um, she said, no, I'm, uh, no, I'm going to change schools. Um, and, and I said, oh, that would be so, um, that would upset me, you know, um, uh, you know, would you not miss uh, being in the school? And then she went out in the thing and then she came back through the door and she said, Miss, I'm going to miss you. Sort of. <laughs> wow. And, you know, next day she comes back in and she goes, no, actually, I like the school. Wow. Uh, I'm going to stay. And, you know, it's, it's a five, <laughs> six-year-old. But, you know, when you have those moments, I, I sit there in my office and I try to have an open-door policy so children know that they can come in. Yeah. Um, and she's one of those that will just literally come in at any point in time you know, into the, into my office. Um, and so when you sort of have those moments, you know, it just makes your day. Yeah. Um, and you do remember those, um, it makes you laugh and, and you think, oh, you know what, that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. You know, it makes it all worthwhile. Well, Michelle, that's a, that's a lovely story. And uh, I'm sure at some point in that young person's life, she'll also probably remember that as well. And, uh, Inshallah, yeah. yeah and, 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 you, and you never know what kind of impact that, yes. that moment might have yeah. uh, on her life as well. Yeah, absolutely. If Apex wasn't around, what would it mean to, to the community or what would it mean to, to the students? Um, it would mean that those experiences that they could have had, they won't have. And the experiences that they have within Apex are unique to Apex mm. and not gonna have them anywhere else. Mm. I know that. Um, and I guess, yes, it, it, would be, it would be a big loss because I think what Apex is about and what it sort of endeavors to do is unique. Um, it is different. We do try to sort of think out of the box and be mm. dynamic in how we do all of those things. Um, and it would be a shame if that wasn't there mm. because I think Apex is part of the community. Um, and so it would be, a, a, in a sense, the, the, yeah, those experiences would be missing. What would you do if Apex wasn't around? Gosh. Um, you know, being in headship um, for, for this long, um, yeah, there are things that I, I've kind of 
come to see as, you know what, I, I think this is a need. And I think one of the needs that I, I think I mentioned earlier was uh, on a wider scale, not necessarily just for Apex, but just making the experiences for teachers and for SLT not just in Apex, but just, you know, the, the wider field of teaching profession, mm. um, having an impact on that mm. so that you make that experience better. Okay. Um, and I think, um, and this is what I was saying, that I, I would love to be able to coach and support those experiences so that they're far better practitioners, whether it's as a head or whether it's as a mm. teacher. Um, so I'd love to be able to have um, an impact from sort of behind, I, I guess. Yeah, something that I think I would have appreciated and would still appreciate as a head Okay. now. Um, but it's not necessarily, I suppose those opportunities have just not been there or I've not been aware of. Are you talking about in the context of an Islamic school setting or are you talking about just generally? Do you know, generally, but certainly from an Islamic um, school setting as well. Do you think there's a lack of um, just overall support? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, it, it is in the wider profession of teaching because even as teachers, in all honesty, because of the 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 workload yeah. and the stress and everything that comes with it, um, teachers don't necessarily stay in their profession for very long. No. And, you know, there is constant, and especially with Islamic schools, there is a retention issue. Yeah. Um, partly, I guess that's to do with also the salary that we pay or not pay, I yeah, should say. Yeah. Um, but if you can make that experience better in other ways through the support, then it might be worthwhile for them to think, you know what, yeah, you know, I, I could probably, yeah. you know, stay here longer. Um, so I'd like to be able to do that so that you, you enable them to kind of think a little bit more strategically. Yeah. Which, like I said, sometimes it's very difficult to do when you're sort of, when you don't necessarily have the support that you need. Yeah. Um, I think, I think what's really important, um, listening to you is that someone like yourself, mashallah, who's been around in education and in Islamic education for as long as you have been, um, we really need to start kind of, uh, really kind of developing some of these ideas yes. um for for to improve our schools definitely to improve the profession and to improve just the overall experience for children um because sometimes staffing well-being mental health um and just kind of overall kind of just attention to their developmental needs mm -hmm. being in an islamic school are maybe overlooked Yes. Um, yes. And, I, and I think it's important that we don't, we don't forget about that because as you said, they're at the heart of the school, aren't they? Yes. yes. Um, and it's really crucial that they get looked after. So Because mm. ultimately they have an impact on how the teaching and learning happens with the yeah. children. And if you've got a, you know, staff member who's, um, you know, stressed and everything else, that's going to show through in their practice. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it's the children that will have an impact on that. Um, and I think we sometimes think, well, you know, as Muslims, these are things that, you know, we've sorted out because our Iman is there. And yeah. I think, yeah, it is there. But you know what? We also experience stress. Yeah. And sometimes that can manifest in, you know, in 
ways that are quite negative. Yep. Um, you may not be able to see that, but it does. Yep. And we need to recognize that, mm. I think, um, so that, you know, we make that experience for the children. And ultimately, you know, the reason why I want to do this, because ultimately this impacts on the children. So yep. it always goes back to the needs of the children. Yep. They're always at the heart of everything. You know, if you want to improve those experiences, then you need to kind of look up and think, okay, what needs to change yeah. further up to enable that to happen? Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, that support network is yeah. one of them. I think when you put it like that in terms of how do you make the children's experience better and, and, and you look around yourself, yeah, a big, big part of it is yeah, those teachers, those educators that are kind of with them day in, day out. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, unfortunately, the workload will be there. It, 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 you know, teaching is one of those jobs. You know, you've got the planning, you've got the teaching, you've got the marking assessment and all of those things. And I don't think those things will go away, but it's how you approach them and yeah. how you manage yourself uh, can make a difference in how you, you know, how that then ends up looking. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be always burdensome yeah. if you know how to use those tools yeah. to manage that. Let's talk a little bit about Islamic schools in general. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a need for Islamic schools? Yes, otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, from, from all angles, actually. Um, you know, definitely from the children's angle. And I think, uh, you know, we touched upon this at the beginning where we talked about, you know, you know children can go to mainstream schools, absolutely, yeah. and then they can have a supplementary and all the rest of it. But sometimes I, I feel, you know, um, there's children are sort of battling with ideas and their identity sometimes mm. um, because they go to mainstream schools and there's no mention necessarily of their deen and yeah. Islam. And then they come back home and then, you know, you have to pray and you have to, yeah. you know, read yeah. the Quran. And, and so it's like a dual personality yeah. that's going on, which can't be a good thing for a child. Mm. You know, it's not a good thing for adults. It no. definitely can't be a good thing for children. But if children are then being brought up from the beginning with that kind of personality, you know, what ideas are they taking away about Islam? Yeah. You know, is it that, you know, um, we have to be embarrassed about Islam? Mm. We shouldn't talk about it? Um, so I think, you know, um, yeah, th th there, there's that aspect from the student's um, point of view. But also, I think from... Uh, teachers' point of view, that that they have a choice in terms of where they want to work. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I've worked in the mainstream sector and I've worked in, you know, an Islamic school. And, you know, if I'm going to work somewhere where I think it's in keeping with my deen, mm. then I would choose an Islamic school any day. Yeah. So from that aspect as well, it's, um, I think they need a choice. And sometimes, unfortunately, that choice comes with a sacrifice that yeah. they have to also make. But the choice is there. Yeah. You know, um, and, I, and I think so from both aspects, from the children's, the parents and the teachers, you need a choice. Yeah. Um, and there definitely is room for. And, and in all honesty, if there wasn't, we wouldn't have a school full of children. Yeah. I mean, the, who, the evidence is in the, yeah, the admissions that you yeah. have. Otherwise, we, we, we would have. But it's really interesting. I've never heard it from that perspective that uh, one of the kind of reasons that we need Islamic schools is also to serve the kind of teachers and the staff and the educators and give them a choice, like yeah. you said. Um, so, so in a nutshell, it, it, 
really kind of precisely, what, how would you, what is an Islamic school in your view? What, what is an Islamic school? Well, someone, you must get asked this question all the time. What's an Islamic school? What is an Islamic school? Well, Islamic school is really, um, I would say for us, it's an extension of the tarbiyah okay. that starts at home. Okay. And we see ourselves as that. Okay. We don't see ourselves as somewhere where you put your child in and you outsource the tarbiyah. <laughs> That's not what we're about. So, yeah, for us, it's about, um, yeah, an extension of that tarbiyah um, and enhancing it and sort of making it come to life and offering that social environment mm. that is in keeping with our faith as well. Sure. Um, but you're getting, in a sense, everything under one roof. Yeah. And um, and I think that's the beauty of Islamic schools, really. That, you know, you don't have to see it as an outsourcing yeah. of anything. Um, and we certainly don't want to be. I know, I, I guess, maybe not all Islamic schools see themselves as that, but mm. we we don't see ourselves as something you outsource, but as an extension of the tarbiyah that starts at home and continues, yeah. obviously, at home, but we just supplement that. In It'd be really interesting to know if we were to survey, um, there's about 50,000 kids that attend Muslim schools up and down mm. the country. And if you were to interview or survey um, those parents, those sets of parents, how many of them see an Islamic school as an extension of the tarbiyah at home mm. or and versus how many of them actually see Islamic schools being the tarbiyah, okay? Yes. And them being an extension to it. Yeah. The yeah. other way around. Absolutely. And I would say that we probably have both kind of parents, Yeah. you know, who, who come along. However, at the beginning, when we have that interview, we make that very clear. Yeah. That that's what we want to be. We sure. want it to be a partnership. Absolutely. Yeah. And it yeah. should be. It's a homeschool partnership. And yeah. we want to nurture that partnership. But we make it very clear that look we you know tarbiyah starts at home yeah having said that there are parents who may struggle in that yeah and we know that um yeah. and and so it's not about turning away those parents for us no. what we sometimes find is that when we get those parents coming along who see the school as the tarbiyah solely yeah. um is that you know there are changes in the home that come about because the child now attends an islamic school and so that filters down to the home. Mm. So it's not about cutting off and saying, well, and making a judgment and saying, well, you know, uh, if that's not started in the home, then forget it. You're not welcome here. Mm. But, you know, inshallah, you know, sometimes things happen in different ways. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily happen in that, like, you know, uh, parents are very strong at home and so therefore they yeah. continue on. Um, sometimes it is that they've made the intention that they want to send their child to an Islamic school but they themselves might not have that tarbiyah or have not been brought up with that tarbiyah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we definitely have that. Um, but they want to make a change. They want to have a change for their child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and that's also a good place to come from as well. So, yeah, you'll get probably the two. Um, but we do have a good portion, alhamdulillah, of our parents where they're very much involved in their children's education, um, but not just education, but just nurturing them in other ways. You know, they, they uh, you know, they're very much involved in that um, and they work closely with the school and their values are in line with what our values are. Yeah. Um, and so it works really well. Um, and, and where it's not, we try to work with the parent yeah. and to sort of encourage and, um, you know, I guess 
no partnership is um, is going to be the same. No. No relationship, no marriage is ever the same. Absolutely. So, um, and I'm pretty sure going back to what I said earlier on, you're a boutique school in some ways. So you will accommodate, you'll be flexible absolutely. and uh, yes. you'll find a solution to it. Yeah, absolutely. Islamic schools up and down the country, whether it be down here in London or up north in the Midlands, um, some you know there's some challenging times now and probably uh, ahead, mm-hmm. um, as it has been in the past. Absolutely. What do you think are the biggest? What do you think are the biggest challenges or the single biggest challenges that we have in Islamic schools at the moment? At the moment, I would probably. I mean. Things always change with regards to, you know, what is required, teaching standards mm. and all of that, that. And there may be more changes to come. You know, uh, the most recent change being the RSE, for example, the RSE curriculum. Um, and I dare say maybe there is going to be more development even in that yeah. to come. That will be a challenge um, that we all need to sort of embrace and find ways of getting around that. But being an independent school, alhamdulillah, I think it gives us that autonomy to be able to um, do it in a way that is in keeping with our deen and, you know, um, and one that where our parents are also kind of happy with mm. as well. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, in terms of legislations and everything else, that's probably one challenge. Um, and the other challenge I would say for us at the moment when we're kind of thinking about is trying to find creative ways in bridging that 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 whole conversation about budget and finances mm-hmm. it's always going to be a challenge I, I think but um I think we need to it, we've come to a stage where we've kind of you know we, we've been doing sort of reviewing all of this is uh and, and we've come to the stage where we think that we need to start becoming a, bit, a little bit more creative mm. in how we do that. Um, it's not always about just going out there and doing fundraising. Yeah. It doesn't always work. And so we need to become a bit more smarter mm. in the strategies we, um, you know, use. And, and doing that by looking at, you know, other independent schools, not necessarily Islamic independent schools, yeah. but other independent schools and how they do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a challenge, but it's a kind of an exciting challenge as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of room to learn, and you know, it's a learning curve there. Um, and I think we need to be as schools constantly about learning and growing. Um, so we sort of embrace all of these challenges as a learning opportunity, inshallah. And um, uh, and and you know about new ideas and about yeah. you know change for the better. Mashallah, that, that you've answered my next question as well, which was about um, what opportunities do you foresee for Muslim schools going forward? And I think in part of your answer, you said that we've got to adapt and yeah. learn and become flexible. And, and I think you're right. I think this this challenge around finance is, is not one that's going to go away quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to look at alternative ways of fundraising or bringing in income let's just say mm-hmm. um and yeah i think i think we can learn from other independent schools not necessarily muslim schools yes. um and, and other organizations that the way, the way they, they run so yeah mashallah it sounds like you've got uh, your hands full you know 
head teacher, mashallah, trustee, but also part and parcel of that kind of those projects and those ideas. Yes. And yeah. um, I'm wondering if you ever sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. No, for me, like I said at the beginning, um, you know, uh, health and well-being needs to start with yourself. Yeah. And uh, that's something that I've uh, definitely uh, been spending a lot of time on yeah. uh, over the last couple of years because I think if you're not, um, you know, stable and, you know, um, and I and I have seen and I've spoken to other heads where, you know, they're very stressed and and it manifests in all sorts of things in terms of mm. your health. You know, would you, would you say you're a stressed head teacher? No, I don't think so. Alhamdulillah. And yeah, I I try not to. I mean, you know, there's always going to be challenges and everything else. Mm. But I try to. Uh, my way of kind of looking at challenges is um, by consulting. And I do sort of, uh, I mean, and that's a good thing about, um, you know, one of the things that for me, networking is very important. Yeah. And although, yes, we are an Islamic school here, but I try to sort of keep relationship with other Islamic schools. Sure. And so we do, you know, very much have that communication. And, you know, uh, I will pick up the phone. Um, likewise, others will do the same yeah. and ask advice from yeah. another head in terms of the how are you doing that? So we work very closely mm -hmm. as well in that yeah. respect. And Alhamdulillah, it's nice to know that, you know, and we don't see ourselves as sort of competition or anything like that. It's about, we're there to serve the community. Um, and, you know, it, and, and we need to see the education. It's not just about educating the children in Redbridge for me. It's mm. about having an impact on all our Muslim children. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter where they are. Um, and so we have done things where we work together. Yeah. You know, in terms of inter-school, um, I mean, we've hosted ourselves um, a uh, speech-making competition yeah. where we invited other schools to come along and we did this and it's about, you know, celebrating, yep. you know, the successes of all of our children together. Um, and, you know, other things like we've had into school sports um, events, you know, which have been hosted by other schools as well, which we've participated in. Mm. So, you know, we, we do have that sort of, you know, working together um, uh, relationship with other schools. Um, and that's quite important, but um because it can be, like I said, as a head, um, it can be a, a it can be a lonely job. Yeah. Because ultimately, you you know everything sort of ends with you. <laughs> as the, yeah, it stops. Yeah, the buck stops with you, doesn't it? Um, and so ultimate decision making and everything is yours. Um, but I I've been very fortunate that um, I I never sort of do that myself. Mm. It's for me, it's about consulting and having that shura and, yeah. um, you know, consulting with my trustees, but also with my, you know, um, my SLT yeah. um, as well and coming up with decisions. And whatever decisions we make, you know, for me, it's about, I want to be fair and just mm. in what I do because ultimately we're all answerable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, the best way to do that is by consulting yeah. and, you know, Sometimes when you make a decision on your own, it might not be the right decision. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I try not to sort of get myself stressed about everything because in all honesty, um, you know, a problem is a problem. You A problem is something that you manifest. 
But that problem might be a problem to you. It might not be a problem to somebody else. It's true. So therefore, you know, it's about looking at that idea and thinking, okay, how do you deal with that? Um, and doing it with the best intentions. Yeah. And that's all you can do, you know. Um, but yeah, alhamdulillah. That's Mashallah, it sounds like um, a wise head with uh, <laughs> that's got probably a lot of uh, battle scars. Um, yeah, yeah, and, definitely uh, and, had those. Uh, kind of, and uh, learned from those. And learned from those. Absolutely. And, and ready to die share. Um, so, inshallah, as we come towards the end of the show, I, I wanted to ask you a real personal question. And I hope you don't mind me asking you this, but um, what does success look like to you? Like when it's all said and done, mm. okay, what does success look like to you? You know, you've committed uh, a big portion of your life yeah. to this school, to this project, to this cause. So, mm. what, what, what do you want to get out of, inshallah? What does success look like? Well, I guess there's two aspects of that. There's that inner success, it's inner success where you feel contentment okay. um, with whatever decisions you've made and whatever the outcome is. And, um, and I ultimately, in whatever I do, if I feel that within myself, I've done the best that I can do um, and I feel content um, then alhamdulillah, I think that's, that's success. In terms of external, for me, it would be seeing the school flourish, mm. continue to flourish mm. um, and growing, um, being able to serve more children and make it a place that staff enjoy really working in. Um, and I think we're working towards that, but, you know, easing things for staff, but also without compromising what the children get. Sure. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's about just continuing on really sure. with this. Um, but I think on a wider, um, having an impact in other ways, um, to, you know, establishing other projects that we've, you know, been mm. um, thinking about and making them a success as well um, so that you're impacting more and more people. Sure. So I think, um, yeah, I guess leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Mashallah. Inshallah, I pray that Allah accepts it from you and allows you to leave that legacy. 